Chapter 20 I and the Father are one. Between our Lord and his Father there is perfect unity, as we have seen, and it could not be more perfect because our Lord is consubstantial with his Father. One of the most moving things is, perhaps, the way in which our Lord affirms his unity with his Father. I and the Father are one. John 10.30 Of course, this unity does not apply to the person, because there are three persons, and that of the Lord is indeed distinct from that of the Father. Rather, it applies to the community of the divine nature of our Lord and his Father. Or more exactly, it applies to the consubstantiality of Son and Father. Clearly, to correctly express the qualities attributed to our Lord is always delicate, and we must be careful not to make mistakes. When we speak of something which is attributed to, or that is said of the person, or the suppositum, as the philosophers say, or the hypostasis, as the Greeks do, it is divine. It is attributable to God himself. The union in our Lord of the human and the divine natures, and the distinctions between the persons of the Blessed Trinity, are great mysteries. All these things overlap, the activity of the Father, the activity of the Son, the being of the Father, the being of the Son and the Holy Ghost, the being of the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the activity of his humanity. All this places us in a sphere that is difficult to define. There are two great mysteries to consider here, the mystery of the Trinity and the mystery of the Incarnation as they are met with in our Lord. Whence there results for us a difficulty of conception, and our imagination is always ready to trick us. However, we may try to consider things in a purely intellectual, objective way, our imagination makes us see our Lord as if he were a human person. Undoubtedly he is a man, but he is not a human person. There is only one person in our Lord, and this is the divine person, and consequently everything that is said about him is attributable to God and is divine. So when our Lord says to his Father, and now glorify thou me, O Father, with thyself, with the glory which I had before the world was with thee. John 17.5 How can it be? The body of our Lord began in the womb of the Virgin Mary, it is true, but of Christ, with all the potential of his person, it can truly be said, Jesus Christ, yesterday and today, and the same forever. Hebrews 13.8 St. Paul says of our Lord that he is eternal. When we speak of our Lord, it is of his divine person, united to his human nature. All the same it is our Lord who is eternal. It is difficult for us to express, but we must always come back to the fundamental truths of the being of our Lord Jesus Christ, his divine person. The divine person of our Lord is eternal. It was, it is, it will be. The fact of being born in the womb of the Virgin Mary did not affect the person, just as the fact of creation did not bring about any change in God. 
Creation adds nothing to God, who would not have been perfect if it had added anything. In God, there can be no change, no mutation, no increase or decrease. God is perfect forever and from all eternity. He has his infinite being, and creation affects nothing in him. Clearly, for us, this is a great mystery. Yet it must be so, or else we would fall into absurd conclusions that would lead us to say that God is not God. Since the person of our Lord is God, it has all the divine attributes. It is eternal. It is outside time, and it is not affected by the vicissitudes of temporal things. You see how great is the mystery of the Incarnation. It is very important to reflect on these things and to ponder them. We find ourselves enveloped by mystery, the great mystery, in fact, that our Lord revealed to us and which should fill us with joy and hope. The eternal God truly united himself to a human physical nature in the womb of the most blessed Virgin Mary, but we must clearly understand that the human body and soul of our Lord would not exist without the divine person. Everything in us only exists by means of and because of support by the person which the good God has given us and which is responsible for our being. Likewise, in our Lord it is the divine person that has truly assumed this human nature in a perfect way. Whence it is true that our Lord can say that there is perfect unity between himself and the Father, but it cannot be said that there is perfect unity and equality between our Lord's human nature and God the Father. No, for then we would be excluding the person, and we would be attributing to human nature divine attributes, which would be incorrect. How extraordinary it is that our Lord can say to his apostles, in all truth and without deceiving them, The Father is in me, and I in the Father. I and the Father are one. John 10, 38, 30 How extraordinary it is that a person who appears outwardly a man can say such a thing. By the very fact, our Lord claims for himself all the divine attributes. He affirms his eternity. He can say, I have no beginning and shall have no end. It is true, our Lord can say this, because it regards the person and not the human nature, which does not exist by itself and which cannot be separated from the person. We have a constant tendency to divide our Lord and to say that there is the person of God and the person of man. Yet, this is an heretical point of view, for there is only one person in our Lord. We must always come back to this point. The Pharisees and the scribes said to him, You make yourself God, whereas you are only a man. And they wanted to stone him. Their sentiments are understandable. They lacked the faith. It is good for us to meditate upon these little sentences that our Lord spoke to the apostles. They are of capital importance because they constitute the foundations of our entire religion. The Catholic religion is founded upon the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
so that, if we begin to diminish the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, as the Arians did, for example, who said that our Lord was a very elevated person, but beneath the Father, we would make of him a created person, and not an uncreated one. This is very dangerous, and that is why, by the very fact of this assertion, the Arians ceased to be Catholics. They had lost the faith. Our Lord cannot be divided. He cannot be dissolved. St. John incessantly repeats this point, especially in his letters. Whoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. He that confesseth the Son hath the Father also. 1 John 2.23 He continues, Dearly beloved, believe not in every spirit, but try the spirits if they be of God because many false prophets are gone out into the world. By this is the Spirit of God known. Every spirit which confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that dissolveth Jesus is not of God. And this is Antichrist, of whom you have heard that he cometh, and he is now already in the world. 1 John 4, 1-3 all our faith and our strength consist in the affirmation of the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. The popes never cease to repeat it in their encyclical letters. That is why, in the encyclical Humanum Genus, Leo XIII condemned and excommunicated the Freemasons, as well as those who aid and abet them. The reason for this is their indifferentism towards all religions, which, in these sects, are all admitted on a basis of equality. The popes, as well as all those who have the faith, cannot abide this. We believe in the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, and it is this very reality that is directly called into question and attacked by indifferentism. We believe it is true that the person of our Lord is equal to his Father, that he is truly the Son of the Eternal God, possessing all the divine attributes, omnipotence, omnipresence, omniscience. Our Lord is not a demigod or a very perfect supernatural man. No, he is God. If our Lord is God, then there can only be one religion possible here below and in heaven, that of our Lord Jesus Christ. There can be no others. Those who have the faith and who, like the popes, are responsible for defending it, are very sensitive to this definition. Not because we must not love those who err, who have strayed into false religions, in order to convert them, but because it is quite another matter to give them the impression that our religion is equal to theirs, or that theirs is equal to ours. We can never assent to such a claim because it would be a lie and a betrayal of our Lord. The Catholic religion was founded by our Lord Jesus Christ. Ultimately, it is his mystical body, the prolongation of our Lord who is God. There are no other gods. The reasoning is cogent and no hesitation is permitted on this subject. Nowadays, we live in a climate of falsity, with a false ecumenism that undermines our holy religion, that diminishes it by trying to compromise. 
All the meetings with Jews, Protestants, Buddhists, the Mohammedans give the impression that we discuss on a par. Such a stand is not possible, and it does not depend on us. Of course, a certain equality exists because they are creatures like us, but as for us, we possess the truth. The truth is that our Lord Jesus Christ is God, and everyone must be subject to him. There is only one God to whom we must submit, our Lord Jesus Christ. We do not have the right to minimize this truth. We do not have the right, for example, to give a Muslim the impression that his religion is as good as ours. That would be a betrayal. Judas did nothing worse, and it was said of him, It were better for him if that man had not been born. Matthew 26, 24 If we too betray our Lord Jesus Christ, we run the risk of going to hell. We do not have the right to betray our Lord. This is something absolutely capital and fundamental. The relations between the Son and the Father and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Trinity, are truly essential to our holy religion. They must be the object of our profound meditation and prayer. Adore the Holy Trinity. Adore our Lord Jesus Christ, who is God. Let us reread what St. John, reporting the words of our Lord in his Gospel, wrote. Do you say of him to whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world, Thou blasphemest, because I said, I am the Son of God? If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though you will not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and believe that the Father is in me, and I in the Father. John 10, 36-38 once again, our Lord asserts his divinity in a very explicit way, and it is clear that no creature can validly make such a claim. He affirms his equality to the Father, and as I said, the Jews did not misunderstand. They understood him quite well. St. John also reports the reply that our Lord made to Philip when he asked him, Lord, show us the Father. John 14, 8. Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? John 14, 10. And in verse 20, St. John adds these words of our Lord, In that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. We must then have the profound conviction and be able to communicate that what our Lord said, I and the Father are one, is the truth, which we must believe and love.